Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, everybody. Thank you again for joining me tonight here on Golf Talk Live. And very, very excited. This is the first uh, official full broadcast, if you will, of the season. We've done a few shows here leading up to tonight, um, minus the Coach's Corner panel. And as I mentioned uh, last week, um, we're we're back with the Coach's Corner panel beginning this week and until the end of the season. So I'm very, very excited. And uh, I've got a great panel to start things off. Uh, two great gentlemen, Brian Dobby and Bill Abrams, are going to be joining me here on the first Coach's Corner panel of 2019. And I'll bring the guys out here in just a minute. But uh, let me just uh, mention a few other things. Uh, later in the broadcast, of course, I'm going to be joined by my good friend and special guest, Byron Casper. Uh, he's a professional golfer and member of the International PGA, as well as the co-founder of the Billy Casper Golf Schools. And he's going to be joining me here uh, a little bit later on. And uh, very, very excited to have him uh, on this uh, show tonight as well. Um, also, another quick announcement, uh, again, before I bring the guys out, golfswing.com, who sponsored the Coach's Corner panel last year uh, towards the end, uh, is here again this season uh, sponsoring the Coach's Corner panel segment. Very, very excited about that. Let me tell you a little bit about them. And a little bit later on, I'm going to play a short uh, audio clip uh, telling a little bit more detail of some of the things that they do. But golfswing.com, uh, with its cutting-edge technology, have teamed up alongside some of the best golf instructors, coaches, and swing gurus in the business. Today, uh, together, they have created one of the best video teaching and training online platforms in golf. So if you're ready to break 100, 90, 80, or even 70, then you want to join their online video academy and learn from some of the best. In, ad- in addition to sponsoring the Coach's Corner uh, segment every week, I'll be posting a different golf instructional video tip featuring some of their top uh, golf instructors. So you want to make sure you check out all of my social media platforms for that uh, video a little bit later on. All right, as I mentioned, we're going to be starting off with Coach's Corner. And let me tell you a little bit about the guys. Uh, First up, of course, is Bill Abrams. He's a PGA professional and owner, director of instruction for the uh, Golf Solutions Academy at Balmoral Woods in Crate, Illinois, Uh, as well as you can find him in the winter months down at the Grand Palms Resort in Pembroke Pine. Uh, also on the show is uh, joining him is Brian Dobby. He's a PGA teaching professional at the Montclair Golf Club in New Jersey. Uh, Brian has been a PGA member since 94 and a golf professional since 91. Uh, teaching golf is a passion, of course, both the mechanical and physical side. Uh, and he's been teaching at Montclair Golf Club for the last several years, which of course is home to one of the outstanding junior programs that continues to grow each and every season. Um, so, guys, welcome to the first Coach's Corner panel of 2019. Hey, Ted, thanks for having us. It's really a pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate it. And, Bill, as I mentioned to you off air, I know there was one other thing that you wanted to mention, uh, something that uh, you wanted to add to your accolades, if you will. So go ahead and let the folks know. Yeah, uh, I was uh, selected as the Central Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year um, for 2018, following up with one in 2017. So I'm 
uh, you know, very humbled and thankful about that. Well, perfect, and uh, well-deserved, I can guarantee you and assure you of that. All right, guys, we're going to start out a little bit light uh, for the first Coach's Corner panel uh, of the year. Um, not going to get into it too heavy, but uh, i got a few different things that I want to talk about tonight. And the first one I want to talk about, and I did discuss this on a previous show um, a little bit in more detail, um, but I just want to do a little bit of a discussion with you guys tonight. Um, everybody that whether you play on the, the uh, professional tours or whether you're weekend warriors out there probably noticed that there have been some rule changes uh, for 2019. And there was about 20, uh, as I recall. Uh, we're not going to get into all of them, of course. Um, I want to talk uh, about some of them. But guys, and, and Bill, I'm going to start with you first. Um, you know, they're always changing um, or modifying the rules each season. But this year they took it a little step further. And I think part of the reason, obviously, was they're trying to make golf a little bit more accessible and a little bit easier for some of our amateur players. So what do you think of some of the rule changes and were there any that kind of surprised you um, that you've uh, come across so far? Well, Ted, uh, you know, and have uh, opportunity to go through and uh, work with some of my collegiate players and, uh, you know, going over these rule changes, uh, the drop rule I think has become very, very awkward. And where the ball, it's right. not just the, the situation of how to drop it, but where the ball must come to rest afterwards. It's really created a lot of confusion, as you can see on the PGA Tour as well. Um, you know, there's really not a good definition to it. Knee height, can that be as I'm kneeling down and holding my hand on my leg? Am I squatting at knee height? Um, I think they left a little bit to be desired on that decision. On the flip side, with the flag stick in, having, uh, you know, played a little bit of golf down here in South Florida and on some public facilities on busy days, I can tell you it has helped the speed of play when that flag stick stays in longer and longer um, on the green. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and, and let me just, for, for those of you tuning in that may be not familiar with the, the first rule that he was talking about, um, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of what the previous rule was and then what the current rule is, just so everybody is sort of up to speed on that. Uh, the category was undertaking relief, uh, and obviously subcategory was dropping procedure. Uh, in other words, how to drop a ball. Uh, under the previous rule, uh, you would stand erect, holding the ball at shoulder height and arms length, and then, uh, of course, uh, drop the ball. The new rule, as, as Bill, as you pointed out, that the ball must be dropped straight down from knee height, the height of a player's knee when in a standing position, which is a little bit awkward um, because it's not very clear, um, you know, whether you're to sort of squat down a little bit or whether you sort of stand and just, you know, put your arm down. So there was a lot of confusion um, with that. And to me, uh, I don't really see how it's helping or, or changing, um, you know, making it better for anybody. And I think there's been some confusion with that for sure. And then also, as you mentioned about leaving the pin in, I think that one, um, you know, I've always kind of thought that was a good rule to, to change and they've obviously done it. And I think you're going to see some, um, some benefits down the road. Um, Brian, what about you? What are, what about your thoughts on, on some of the rule changes? What has been some of the feedback, if any, that you've gotten so far from some of, uh, I know you're uh, up in the Northeast there and, and still, uh, doing a little snow shuffling, unfortunately, which you were down here with us, but um, but you're not. Um, what's been some of the conversations that you've had uh, or been uh, hearing about some of the rules changes? Well, up here since, um, well, Ted 
starting off, thanks for having me on the show again. Really appreciate it. Um, Ted, as you know, we're in the middle of a cold winter up here with a lot of snow, so we really haven't had a chance to get on the course and implement these new rules. But from what I'm hearing is, you know, the um, trying to speed the game up with some of the rules is uh, a big concern for everybody up here. And, you know, I, I think having – um, the lost ball rule um, down to three minutes, that's going to impact people. I think that's going to take an adjustment for people because three minutes isn't really a long time, and, and, and I think we're all kind of programmed to look um, a little bit longer, that five-minute that rule. You know, so that's going to be an adjustment for everybody up here, and I think the flagstick, I think that could be a positive thing up here because the first thing I thought of is a, is, is a fast three-foot down Hill putt at Montclair Golf Club. I'm leaving that pin in, and I'm just aiming for that pin. Right. And and I think I can probably do better, you know, by catching that pin a little bit. So that's going to be interesting and and fun too. You know, it's just a new element to the game. You know, should I leave it in or should I take it out? So I think that's going to be interesting. And then um, the the other rule I think is going to be interesting is moving loose impediments in bunkers right. and stuff like that that's that's something we're not used to doing you know going into a bunker and removing anything um so i, I think there's going to be a slight adjustment pe- period for people to when they get into these situations what do they do and then, then i think you know once they do it enough and realize they're not breaking a rule here anymore um i think it's going right. to flow nicely and you know, I, I understand the changes, you know, it's to speed the game up and also to make the rules more um, easier for people to understand. And I think that's going to help the game. Definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they're, the, you know, they, they've obviously got to keep modifying and, and changing the games. I think you're, you're exactly right though, Brian. I think that um, one that's going to cause a little bit is obviously looking for a lost ball. Um, you know, originally it was five minutes. Now it's down to three minutes. Um, I can, you know, the, the pros, I think it's not going to be a, really a, as big of an issue um, because there's so many eyes out there to usually track where the ball has gone. So it gives them a little bit, but sure. you know, your weekend warrior, your, you know, your weekend warriors as an example, you know, they're playing those pro V ones and they're not cheap. And so I can see a few of them, you know, spending more than five yeah. minutes. In fact, I know for a fact. So, you know, there, there's, there's obviously pros and cons to it. I want to get both of your feedback, though, if you can, um, because I've been seeing a lot of the articles that are coming out, and I take it with a grain of salt because I know how a lot of times the media likes to hype things up. But there have been a lot of, uh, almost on a weekly basis, of various pros. Of course, there was you know Sergio and, and some others that have, have come out um, about some of the different rules and things like that and some controversy and, and again, a lot of hype. So what are your thoughts about some of that? I mean, the players should know, I mean, coming into this, you know, new season, they should already know what the new rules are. There really shouldn't be any question. Um, but there's been a little bit of, you know, a negative vibe, if you will, out on the PGA Tour particularly. What are your thoughts there as far as the, the, the players are concerned? Ted, was, are you asking me that? Yeah, or no, Bill? I'm sorry, that no, no, that was Bill. I'm sorry. I thought I said Bill. Yeah. And I think Bill had dropped off. Maybe that's. Yeah, here he is. I'm sorry. Are you there? Uh, Bill Am I had... here. Yeah, I'm sorry. You got me. Yeah, you're you're back. I'm sorry. I didn't notice that you dropped <laughs> okay. off. My apologies. Oh um, yeah. No, so let I me let me. Mute. Okay. No. 
Okay, let me uh, let me rephrase the, the or let me ask the question again because obviously I guess you had dropped off temporarily. Um, you know, we were talking about the the rule changes and things like that, and and one of the the statements I had made was you know how the a lot of the players on tour. Um, I'm seeing a lot of articles and, and stuff coming through the media um, about how the players are reacting and handling some of the rules changes. Um, some of them are not too happy with some of the things. Some of them have been, you know, caught in certain circumstances that have not benefited the player. Um, how do you think the rules have been received on the PGA Tour, as an example? Um, you know, and I think from the aspect of them, they've done it this way forever. And, you know, you have to change things. And I take the drops again, because that's the biggest thing that we're going to see. You know, the, drop, the dropping zone and where you're supposed to have the ball hit and stop. Uh, compared to where it was before is is a real I think is a real situation I can understand their their frustration but at the same point I also take the side of if you take your your financials to a CPA they know the tax rules and the tax laws right these guys are doing this for a living they should have an understanding of it and I can tell you when I played basketball in college we'd have officials come in to an early season a couple of the Saturday practices when we were doing scrimmages and talk about the new rules and the emphasis. And I think that's one of the things, you know, being an independent contractor, I don't think a lot of times that they take a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of grace and go ahead and do that. They just rely upon the rules officials. And when things have changed, they get a little grumpy about it. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, there's a lot of information that, that the, the players and their caddies, of course, have to take in in any given round. And now they've got a, you know, I mean, it's you know, we're not like we're talking about one or two rule changes. I mean, there were, uh, I believe, 20 in, in total. Um, some of them, uh, you know, sort of overlap one another, if you will, a little bit. Um, there were a few there right, about the bunkers right. and that. Um, so, I mean, that's not as big of an issue. But but it is a lot to have to adjust. But then again, too, you know, they, they had months from when it was announced that the rule changes, right. when they'd be taking effect. So it's really up to the players and, of course, their caddies uh, to sort of brush up and, and get up to speed with that. So, uh, you know, as, underst- as I understand, sometimes the rules, and this has always happened, guys. Brian, I'm sure you can attest to this from watching over the years. Um, sometimes the rules, work, or the, uh, yeah, the rules work in your favor, um, and sometimes, you know, uh, you, you get trapped into to one of the rules for whatever reason, whether it be removing a, or moving a loose impediment, you know, or, or you're spending more than the required time to find your ball, whatever the case may be. Um, the rules are there for a reason, as Bill had pointed out. What are your thoughts, um, uh, Brian, on how the, the PGA players have been handling it so far in the season? Is it typical from what you're seeing? Do you think is this pretty normal, or, or do you think some of them are making a little bit bigger issue of it than what needs to be? I, I really think right now there's always going to be an adjustment period because it's new, but I, I just think uh, the players are making a little bit too big of a deal out of it. And, and, and the reason being is right in the rule book, it says, you know, the player's responsibility. So they're playing a game. They've been playing it long enough. They knew the rules were changing and, you know, they're also in a position out there where there's a lot of people that can help them. So they've actually got it a little easier than the general public because, you know, there's people um, watching them play and there's rules officials all over. So, any gripes they have, you know, I'm sure the, it comes from frustration of it happening. 
Um, but they, they should they should be aware of it by now, you know. And, and this is what they do for a living, and they, they should know um, how to proceed out there. So, yeah, and, and I think the, as far as the media, the player goes, has a responsibility you know, in this game. Yeah, right. Yeah, Go no, ahead, you're exactly right. And it, no, that's okay. And, and all I was going to add was that you know, as far as the media is concerned, you know, they're looking for for you know an angle, if you will. So if a, a player you know, let's say is out there and, and, you know, they're going through one of the, the uh, rules, if you will, um, and grumbles a little bit, you know, that's going to make headline news the next day. So, you know, you have to take it. And that's why I said before, I said, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I want to ask one more question uh, about rules um, to both of you and get your thoughts and opinion on this. Do you think though that, uh, you know, obviously there are general rules that should apply to everybody, but do you think some of the rules maybe, um, should adhere more to the on uh, the professional level and others that that maybe uh to the amateur level and the reason why i say that is you know i, I like the fact you know keeping the flag in i think is great certainly going to help a lot of amateurs that uh, maybe a little uh you know dicey with their putting uh might, might help save a few from rolling off the green um or some of those slippery downhills like you talked about uh, brian and i'm going to go to you first on this but do you think that maybe um as far as speeding it up uh is it really helping uh, or going to help the amateurs as much as it would the professionals? Uh, a lot of the rule changes. Um, I, I think it should speed it up somewhat. You know, I, I, I'm really a firm believer from what I see up here is um, I, I think the game is slowed down by what we see on TV. You know, when, when a twosome on the PGA tour takes four and a half hours to play or whatever, um, and and the amount of time they take to hit certain shots, especially around the greens, I, I just think that feeds into our players when they start to play in tournaments and stuff and slows them down. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a firm proponent of, you know, if caddies weren't allowed on the greens up here, um, the game would speed up by 20 minutes around, you know, just by all the – um, green reading going on and then I think continuous putting would definitely speed up the game and I know that's hard sometimes you know walking in people's line but it, it's the when you're on a green this this is where players get the slowest and and I, I think it stems from watching golf on TV and and, and we, we tend to do what the pros do as a model and um, I, I sure hope the game speeds up Ted because there's a lot of talk on, you know, how long it takes to play nine holes now, how long it takes to play 18 holes, and and the game is getting long. And to get it going faster, I'm in favor for it because um, when I was a kid growing up caddying at a club, it was embarrassing if you played in four hours or more, you know. So so there was a right. stigma about that. Now, now it's it's almost five hours is a common round. What, what happened, you know? Right. It's still 18 holes, and you're still playing in right. four people. What happened to the game? It slowed. It slowed down tremendously. Yeah, and and you know, your most people are hitting the ball even farther, so that should help. But I think part there's a, a number of factors that fall into that. Uh, Bill, I want to ask you something. Uh, you're certainly welcome to answer the same question about whether or not you feel it's it's more beneficial to the uh, pros, some of the rule changes, or the amateurs. But I also wanted to ask you. Um, to add this uh, into it as well. Um, I don't see a lot of, now obviously again it's early in the season, but I don't see as much 
negative impact on the ladies' tour. Why do you think that is? Um, you know, that's a that's a very good question because you know, with the situations with the caddies coming behind the player, they do they had mm. done that historically a lot more than the men. And right. you know, I think that's where we're seeing the hiccups come in because they knew it's you know, that's uh, that's ground we don't stand on anymore versus with the men, right. they did it so seldom that it, it's, you know, they're just kind of leaning in there to give them a little, you know, a little pep talk at the end, moving out. But it's 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 a rules violation. I think that's one of the that's one of the biggest differences with the men to the ladies. But, uh, you know, overall, I think the speed of play is something that needs to be really addressed. And it still wasn't done in the rules. I mean, again, three minutes yep. leaving the flag stick in. Um, you know, we've done something at Balmora Woods. We host a very big amateur event every year, um, the Will County Amateur. We get uh, some guys around, from around the country that are fabulous players. Tony Romo has played in it and won it in the past. We instituted mm-hmm. a policy where we warn the players on the first tee. Once they fall out of place or, or miss the criteria uh, of being a shot out of two shots out of position on a par four or – they're on the tee and the other group is on the green, they're subject to individual timing, not group timing, individual timing. And I think that's one of the biggest keys that they have to grow a little more bravery in all associations and go ahead and do something like this. Warn the players on the first tee. You have checkpoints with the clocks. If you leave at 8 o'clock in the morning is your tee time, you get to the end of the fourth green, that clock should still say 8 on the staggered clock. And I don't think that Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a hard enough line taken on that pace of play, and then that's the culture. It just runs down through the through the ranks. And, you know, even at the private clubs, I had the fortune of, with a good old high school friend, to play at Mayaku Lakes in uh, in uh, Wellington, which was Jack Nicholas's original design, one of the hardest golf courses in the country. The members are expected to play in 3.5 or 3.45. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it is the culture, too. Um, you know, when you're, you're playing in a public course and you're seeing, you know, J.B. Holmes plumb bob a, a, a putt from a foot, come on. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have to, you know, you have to, you know, really, I think there has to be a hard stand on this pace of play because I think for, for the most part, they're trying to not humiliate the one person that's doing it and basically drag everybody into the, into the mix in the whole group. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, really, obviously, the rules are, are there to keep everybody, you know, honest and and, uh, and and playing with integrity. But it's also designed, as as both of you have mentioned, um, really to to foster um, a, a speedier play, if you will, and and to to sort of help alleviate some of the slow play issues. Um, you know, I don't want to stay uh, any you know much longer on the on the rules side of things, but you know, maybe some of the fines and maybe some of the penalties. Um, particularly when it comes to slow play, need to be a little bit um, more stringent, I think, uh, because it, it is, you know, they're, uh, the professionals that we understand, they're playing for a lot of money as opposed to, you know, many of the amateurs out there. Um, but at the same time, they're there really setting an example of the sport. You know, they're supposed to be the elite of the sport, whether male or female. And if they're, you know, sort of, like you said, plumb bobbing from a foot, um, you know, that's not really setting a great example uh, because I see a lot of people mimic, you know, many uh, weekend golfers out there mimicking what they see on TV 
and they're just spending a lot of time. And, and meanwhile, you've got a group in the fairway and a group back on the tee waiting to move, and they can't because everybody's, yeah. you know, doing their stick right. on, on the green. Quite and, certain, uh, you know, you're, so, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and we've all fallen into that trap. And, you know, yeah, you're out there to to see the flowers and, and smell the fresh air and hear the birds, but at the same time, you know, I've seen many of people derail a good round of golf because they get into, you know, two or three holes where everything's backed up and suddenly it's just coming to a screeching halt and then the frustration level, the anxiety starts to pick up and, and you just sort of get off that rhythm and it's very, very difficult to uh, to do. So in closing on that uh, topic, let me just remind everybody uh, tuning in tonight, uh, obviously there have been some rule changes and if you're not aware of them, uh, as I said, I think there's about 20 overall for 2019. Uh, you want to pick up a copy of the USGA's rule book to make sure that you're current and up to date with uh, the rules for, for this season. So make sure you get yourself a copy, um, and you can do that in a number of great ways. Um, all right, guys, um, I, I want to move on to talk a little bit about um, sort of the mental side of things, mental mastery. I talked about this uh, not too long ago on a program as well, uh, but I wanted to bring this into discussion with the panels. Um, and And... Brian, I'm going to talk to you first because I know you deal with a lot of member uh, golfers up there at, uh, at um, your course. And each season as you come in and, and you start to work with, with people again, um, you want to kind of get an understanding, if you will, of their sort of current state of mind. They've been shoveling snow for here for a little while, so they're going to be a little bit grumpy coming out, uh, I'm sure. Um, but you obviously want them to come out. So uh, take us through, if you will, just a few moments when you're starting out with, with some of your, your students at the beginning of the season, you know, the spring thaws come out, if you will, uh, and you want to get them in that right frame of mind. Talk us through some of the discussion you're going to have with them when they come out the season. Sure, Ted. I, I, I think the main thing that I try to get to, uh, through to my students is, number one, keep it simple. Okay, you know, if if we haven't been playing all winter, if we haven't had a club in our hand, you know, we tend to get too much information going when we come out. And, you know, I just want to make sure they have a couple good fundamentals, good grip set up and aim and stuff like that. But really keep it simple, have one, one swing thought going and try to stay in the process of hitting a good shot instead of, you know, a lot of our, our our members up here, amateurs, usually focus on the past and the and the and the future. Mm-hmm. Stay in the moment. How do you hit a good shot? Try to hit it solid, um, and and that would be a good good swing thought. Just good rhythm, good balance, starting out in the spring, and and try to catch the catch the middle of the club face. You know, just by doing that, you're probably going to hit a pretty good shot. Um, don't overthink it, and. Um, Try try to keep this game simple. That that's part of my teaching philosophy. Um, I think a lot of my students get um, they read too much, they see too much on the golf channel. They're trying this, they're trying that, and you know what? Right. A lot of those things don't apply to their game, and I think it bogs them down. So I just try to give them a couple thoughts, keep it simple, good contact, and that's a great way to start in the spring up here, Ted. That's that's my plan for for my students. Yeah, I think that's uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some great advice. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think that you know when when you've had sort of that that layover, if you will, for a few months. Uh, obviously, some uh, folks don't have the benefits of an indoor facility uh, to go to, uh, which 
in my opinion, still no excuse. There's lots of great things that you can be doing and working on in your very own home uh, to sort of get tuned up for the season. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be hitting golf balls, but there's some things that you can sure. do working on your grip and other things. Um, but for those that maybe didn't take advantage um, and, and are coming out, um, you know, fresh from the gate, if you will, um, that's some great advice. You want to just sort of come out and just, you know, be relaxed and, and, and don't worry about what happened last season. This is a brand new season. Uh, let's, you know, get excited about it. Let's start things off and, and, you know, maybe take some refresher, uh, lessons to kind of get things, uh, back on track. Um, Bill, what about you? I know you're down here in Florida, so you're working, um, you know, both ends of the spectrum. You're going to be up North, uh, in, in May, as I recall, um, back home up that way. Uh, when the summer starts to, to take root, but right now you're working. So you're getting golfers that maybe are, are coming down to Florida, let's say, um, that have the benefit of kind of playing all year round. How do you, you know, get them in that, uh, what's their current state of mind and how do you transition them? Maybe if they've come down uh, for the season, for the winter season, uh, and you want to really get them off to a good start so they can enjoy some winter golf down here in, in Florida. That's a great. That was Bill. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Got me now, Ted. Yep, I got you. Go ahead. Am I there? Okay, okay, good, good. Sorry, the mute wasn't working right. Um, no, uh, that's a super question. I think I feel the best way for a coach to really find out what's going on is you got to play a few holes with a with a player as they're transitioning seasons. Um, go out to play two or three or four holes and really see where their mind is. Um, you know, I think one of the things as a, as a player we can do consistently, really the only two things we can do consistently as players is stand up to the golf ball correctly, consistently, and think consistently. And what I end up finding is those two end up being a, a vicious cycle sometimes. You change the way you're standing up, that changes the way you think. You think differently, you stand up to the ball differently, and then it just creates a, a you know, uh, a death spiral for a lot of players. So what I like to do is take them on the course, you know, or even in a, in a practice area and hit some shots. They hit a good one. What was your thought there? What are you thinking about? Where's your focus? And really, you know, utilize what, what's going on in their brain because their interpretation of things is so much different sometimes from what we're seeing. And that's our, our challenge as a coach to be able to communicate to the player to the way they perceive things. And I feel by taking them on the golf course, you can really, you know, cut to the chase here and you see somebody just stripe a drive down the middle and hit it as good as they ever have. Okay, what was your thought on that? How'd you prepare for that? What was your thought? And and utilize that as a good building block so they can come back to that as time goes on. And I've had so many situations in my life with, I mean, even some mini tour players I've worked with, where we've working on one focus and a, one thought over the ball and a commitment hit great iron shots, six straight holes. And then the seventh, they hit a stinker. And I say, well, what was your thought? Well, I changed it. Oh, well, why'd you change? And that's one of the things that we fall into. And the amateur players so deeply fall into this, you know, they want a little bit better. Something wasn't quite right. We have to find that consistent thing that they can, the consistent thought for their setup and the consistent thought for their swing. Yeah. Well said. And that's a that's a great point. You know, we see a lot of golfers, uh, again, especially our amateur golfers, get out there and, you know, they'll hit some great shots consecutively or they'll play even a couple of good holes. And then all of a sudden, you know, they want to tweak something, you know, mid 
round or early in the round, and the next thing you know, the wheels sort of fall off the bus, and then they can't understand. And that adds to some of the, the anxieties, as I mentioned earlier, out on the golf course as well. Um, Brian, I want to ask you this. You know, we, we talk about the pros, and, you know, everybody obviously watches a lot of the, the events, and, and um, you know, we certainly want to um, not necessarily mimic what's going on out there because obviously everybody's unique, but there might be some, some good mental cues that um, from, a, from some of the better, higher-level uh, players that maybe we could take a, uh, you know, take notice of and not necessarily incorporate in our own uh, mental strategy, um, but maybe help us to stay better focused. So by watching some of these players, how can we learn some of the, from their mental profiles of some of the higher-performing golfers on tour? Ted, I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is their routine. If you, if you watch these guys on tour and the girls on tour, their routines are so precise and they do the thing over and over. And I think the routine is what gets them through the nerve-wracking shots they have to hit out there. You know, they, they stick to the routine. And for the, for the average golfers, a lot of them don't have a routine. And um, that's what they should be watching when they watch on TV or mimic, you know, find your routine, stick to it. And and I think so many good things can come out of that because it almost becomes a reflex action, you know. Um, but if you're taking, you know, 10 seconds to hit one shot and then 15 seconds to hit another, and you're never going to find that rhythm to your game. So if, if I would mimic anything watching the pros on TV is watch how they approach each shot and they're doing the same thing each time. You know, they look at the target, yep. picture the ball flight, and their mannerisms the same, but – um, find your routine, and, and that'll just carry you through um, your round of golf. It, it's something you don't read about much in, uh, in magazines and talk about, but finding a routine is, is critical for, for good play, I think. And uh, watch, watch these guys. They, they do the same thing every time. Putting, chipping, yeah. it doesn't matter the shot. They're into, they're into their routine. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, Brian, and and you're exactly right. You know, when we watch um, a lot of the professionals, um, you know, over the weekends, uh, particularly, and uh, especially those that are that are in the hunt, if you will, um, their pre-shot routines are very very consistent. And if you want to see a player um, who is struggling on the golf course, watch when they get out of their routine. That's usually a good sign right. that a player is struggling because most of the better players, when they're they may not necessarily win the tournament, they may not even be in the top ten, but they're playing their best. I mean, I've seen players that have shot low sixties that didn't win the tournament, and I've seen other players that their final round was maybe a seventy even, but because their previous rounds were low enough, and obviously they were staying focused, they were able to maintain the lead that they needed in order to close it out on Sunday. And that is because they maintain that routine and that consistency throughout their round. And that's something that a lot of amateurs um, lack. Um, I'm sure we can, we can all attest sure. to that. Um, and, Bill, and, and Ted, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Ted, one more thing on that. I'm sure you've noticed it, Bill, too. I've, I've, when I'm watching golf on TV and you, you see a player being televised a lot, I've seen this over and over where, I, I, I see his routine, I, I, and it just catches my eye. He's do, he just he just took two more seconds or something, and he yep. said he's gonna he's not gonna hit it good, and he it, it, you can pick up on it. Absolutely, yeah. 
I've seen, yeah, and Bill, I've seen we, we thought, uh, yeah, yeah you ahead, know, Bill, Bill, I just, I want to ask you, no, that's a great, that's a great point, Brian. Um, Bill, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit more because that's something that, that Brian's talking about that is very, very um, noticeable. Not so much, the, I mean, obviously we can count the seconds and whatnot, but um, what you will often see the better players do is as they go through their routine, if for some reason they get out of that routine, whether it's a distraction from the, the crowds uh, or something else that's gone on or they've lost momentarily that focus, they will regroup and go through that entire routine again. Um, right. And right. that's something how do we how do we convey that bill to some of our students that obviously again we want to be mindful of slow play, but obviously players they're not as focused what can we say or what can we do to help them guide that, that if they're not comfortable in that moment, how do they organize themselves to regroup? One of the things that I, I offer, and I tell players this all the time, that, you know, once that, once that shadow of a doubt comes in your mind, you're not going to have a chance to hit the shot in the, ability, in the way that you want to do it. So we, we simply, when that little hiccup happens, step back, tap the club, step up and go again. The worst thing that any player, whether it's, it's uh, uh, the number one player in the world professionally or the 38 handicap at the club can say something alters them. They have to brush their hair out of their eyes. They have something, a bee bothers them. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead and hit. It'll be okay. Go ahead and hit. That's the worst thing any player can ever say to themselves. Because what they've done is they predispose themselves to an absolute disaster coming. And what we need to do with those players is, you know, it's not going to take tons of time. With my elite players, we actually put the stopwatch on them from a, uh, from a set or a reference point to the time that they pull the club back. And mm-hmm. the maximum amount of time from six feet behind the ball is the girls at Vision 54 we would say the d- decision line is about 10 seconds. From the time the feeder set, it's got to go back in three and a half to five seconds. So what we do is we try to keep the players in this time to make it like a security blanket. And average players can learn from this. I would rather with most people, especially type A personalities, I'd rather have their, their routine going snap, 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 moving fast. Because once they try to slow down, that doesn't fit their personality so well. And then they start to get themselves into some awkward situations. So we really have to be cognizant of ourselves and mindful of ourselves to build the routine that fits our personality and the way we approach life and interpret things. Yeah, and that's an excellent point as well. Um, you're exactly right. You know, the other thing, guys, too, um, and this really goes back to the first point, you know, sort of understanding the current state of mind, something, too, that – and obviously, we're all human. We all, um, you know, are, can be emotional at times when when things are, are not going well uh, outside of the golf course. Whether it be um, something stressful at work that's going on, maybe some projects that you're working on that uh, um, you know need your your full attention, and you're bringing that mindset to the golf course. Um, maybe something at home. Maybe you've just you know, uh, I hate to use this reference, but maybe you've you've had a disagreement at home with your spouse or partner. And you're now taking that to the golf course. So, Brian, this is something too. Uh, and obviously, you know, we've got to be mindful and careful. We're not, we're not here. We're not psychologists. Um, but that's a, a big factor as well. 
is outside influences um, that we bring to the golf course with us. How do we sort of decompress and and say to ourselves, okay, this is something that obviously has to be dealt with. It's important, but for the next couple of hours, I need to focus on the task at hand. That's a, a transition as well. How do we how do we handle that transition with our players? Well, I, I think one thing I like to do is, is change my pace. And when I get to the golf course, for for tournament purposes, obviously, um, you know, I like to mm-hmm. walk a little slower breathe a little, you know, focus on my breathing and stuff kind of just slows me down and and gets me into the moment a little bit. So I think focusing on your breathing really gets you into the moment and, and just some breathing can, can clear your mind. You know, if you, if you bring outside distractions to the course, you know, the golf ball doesn't know that that's the main thing. I've kind of tricked myself into saying, you know, the golf ball only knows that club face hitting it. So, um, let me give that full attention for that 20 seconds to hit the golf ball. And then if I, if I can't clear my mind, let me go back to that. But I think just slowing down your pace, focusing on your breathing will, will clear your mind and just say, you know what, let, let me try to have some fun here. I'm here at the course. Um, I can uh, start thinking about the other things later and try to enjoy the round and, and be with my friends or whatever and stuff like that. But definitely slowing down your pace and breathing is, is something I would recommend for people to do to kind of just get their, get their thought process back into hitting a golf ball. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of other great things out there. Um, you know, a big thing right now um, is, is yoga. Uh, believe it or not. I mean, you know, traditionally, uh, you know, most of us hit the gym and, you know, we'd, unload some of that stress lifting weights and things like that but um you know as our, our good friend Catherine roberts who uh heads up yoga for golfers um will tell you that yoga has become a big big component with a lot of uh not just golfers out there and i'm talking about elite players uh but even you know she works a lot with major league baseball and and some of the other uh sports as well they're starting to understand exactly what you're talking about brian um and able to use yoga uh, to help accomplish that, to sort of bring that anxiety down and relaxation out in the golf course. And that doesn't mean they're doing yoga poses out there, um, but they're doing that, you know, uh, pre-round or even post-round sometimes just to help bring, uh, uh, de-escalate some of that anxiety that, uh, you know, we carry. It's a, it's a faster-paced world today sure. than it used to be. And, and uh, you know, these are things that, um, that you know, people are starting. So that's just one way. And there's obviously other things that you can research uh, yourselves out there. Um, Bill, I want to go to you. You know, we talked about a pre-shot routine, um, but what about a post-shot routine? You know, we've hit a good shot, um, you know, or even if we've hit a bad shot, how do we handle the post-shot routine? Um, what are some things that we need to sit in, in both scenarios? Give us a good shot and a bad shot. What do we take away from that um, after we've hit the shot? It's it's pretty neat because the post-shot routine is a lot <laughs> players do not really consider this or think about it. They always talk about pre, but the post is equal or even maybe more so important than the pre. Uh, A couple of things that we do, if if a player hits a poor shot, um, you know, we can do some simple things as take your fingers and just wipe your brow and like you're throwing sweat away, toss it away. Mm -hmm. I've actually had some players, this sounds kind of funny, like they flush the toilet. It's gone. I hate yep. to say that, you know, that way and sound that crazy, <laughs> but you have to basically 
shut it off and be done with it. It's, you know, it's gone. And, you know, with the, with the post shot routine, I think one of the things on a good shot is just when you strike it and you hold your pose for a second, just stand there, you know, maybe with a little more weight on your front foot and look at the target for just a second longer. And five seconds after the shot, it's got to be done. We, we've got to be moving mm-hmm. to the next one. If we start to get ourselves into, you know, start to consternate and even a good shot, because I think that's one of the hardest things as players get better. It's not following up a bad shot with a good shot. It's following up a superior shot with something that's at least serviceable. Right. Right. You're exactly right. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that you sort of hit it on the head you know, we obviously it's important before we hit the shot to have a routine, but equally after the uh, after the shot has been executed, we want to also have uh, a routine as well. And I like some of the analogies, Bill, that you use because and, and you know you can make up your own. It doesn't have to be necessarily what what you said, but um, there has to be some way because one of the problems that a lot of golfers have, uh, especially our amateur golfers, and we've seen the odd pro over the years do it as well, is when they hit a bad shot the anxiety level goes up and sometimes in some cases anger comes out. Um, you know, we see them throwing a club or thumping a club down on the ground. Um, and now they're, they're going into their next shot, uh, or their next scenario with that anger sort of, you know, not being really released. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of, again, great techniques, whether, you know, Brian, as you suggest, you know, uh, deep breathing, um, you know, as you're walking to your next shot, you know, sort of breathe it out if you will. Um, so there's a lot of good things, and, and that post-shot routine, uh, in my opinion, I agree with with both of you. I think is very, very important, and something that a lot of amateur golfers, um, you know, need to incorporate into their uh, everyday play. Um, the last one I want to talk about, and this is really, I think, for um, the benefit of everybody, and that is really the ability to actively track your mentality and improvement over time. And obviously this sort of incorporates the physical side a little bit as well, um, but the importance of, of keeping track. And I think one of the things <clears throat> that, you know, from the mental side is when we're in that good zone, if you will, when we're making good shots and we're playing a good round, we need to be conscious and cognizant of how we're feeling and what we're thinking of in the moment because that's something that we can use at a later date. We can sort of put it in our pocket. Um, so talk a little bit about that, if you would, both of you. And, and uh, Brian, I'm going to go with you first, and then Bill. You know, sort of charting the course. You know, we, te- we keep stats for our, our playing, um, whether it be putts on the green or whether it be chips and so forth, uh, greens and regulation, all of that kind of stuff. But what about charting our mental course, if you will, as we go through our rounds? What's the importance of that, and how can we sort of tap into that, uh, that sort of positive energy? Um, Brian? Sure, Ted. Ted, that's a great question. Here, here's what I teach my students. Stop, start, continue. Okay, so after every round, I, I say to myself, what do I need to stop doing to get better or reach my goals? What do I need to continue to do to reach my goals? And what, I, what do I need to, to, to start doing to reach my goals? And if I answer those questions, pretty soon – uh, it, it could be a typical round, you know. Maybe, maybe my bunker game was off, but I got I got to start paying attention to my bunker game and, and take a lesson, something like that. Or I, I really liked my pre-shot routine. I liked the way I was swinging today. I want to continue with that thought. And then um, uh, stop would be, 
you know what? I got I got to stop staying up late at night before a round of golf. I need more sleep or something. And pretty soon you're going to see a pattern after a few rounds of you know what I want. I'm going to have more continues and more starts and a lot less stops. You know, after you're going to see a little uh, a pattern. And and I tell all my students keep a little journal of this, and and you're going to see. Um, what were you doing when you played well? How did you prepare yourself? And what what happened when you played bad? You know, was was it a bad round because you hit it bad, or was it a bad round because you were up all night partying or having a good time and you didn't get any sleep and you rushed to the golf course and you didn't warm up properly? And, you know, all those things add into a good or a bad round. And um, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer if, you know, writing things down, having a journal, you're going to see a pattern, and that pattern can help you be a better player. But you have to write it mm-hmm. write it down. And answering those three questions have always worked for me, and I, I've always teach that uh, to my students. Stop, start, continue. It's, it's, it, it works. Great. Yeah, some great, great advice, uh, Brian. Thank you for that. Um, Bill, what about you? You know, again, the sort of the same scenario – you know, we get a lot of players out there that, um, you know, maybe they've played a good round. What can they take away from that? And what can they take away even when they don't play a good round um, that they can use to help prepare them for the next time? I think one of the biggest things that I see with players at all levels, whether it's an elite junior or it's a, a club player, is the next shot is predicated by what they did on the previous shot. Um, they leave mm-hmm. the putt short, so the next one they they blow it long, and I think that's one of the things that they the biggest focus you have to get back to is what your intention is. Pay attention to your intention, keep that spot on because what happens a lot of times with players, you know, you you hit hit it short, you hit it short. So what happens the next time you blow it six feet long, or you're afraid of hitting yep. the ball long, so you ended up hitting it twenty feet short. So I think that's one of the biggest areas. And going along with what Brian said, just kind of seeing the patterns and in, in where you're thinking. And, and I found with a lot of players, what happens is it's one critical shot or one critical decision that they make in the round that either makes the round or it, it blows it up because of the fact that they didn't react to the, the situation correctly. They hit a poor shot and then react incorrectly, worrying, trying to fix that, as opposed to getting back to the things that they're trying to do and paying attention to what they're intending on doing. You're exactly right. And I just want to add a, to something that, that Brian had said a moment ago about you know keeping some sort of a journal. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier on in the segment that you know even though for some that may be up in the Northeast or even Northwest um, that maybe don't have the benefit of getting out there and, and hitting shots, um, by keeping those notes throughout the year when you are playing, that's something, if you want to do something in the off-season, if you've got a few months that you can't get out there, review some of those notes. Review that journal. Look at some of the things. Not just the phys- – you know, everybody focuses on the physical, well, i got to hit the ball great. And, right. yes, that's important. But it's how you prepare yourself mentally coming out to that season. If you've had a bad season – then focus on <clears throat> on some of the things that you need to work on for next season. And when you get out there Absolutely. on the golf course and you get, you know, you get connected with your your coach or your your uh, teacher professional again, you've already got some good momentum going and you've got some good things to be working on. 
the worst thing that you can do is sit there for two or three months or whatever it happens to be doing absolutely nothing and then coming out and saying, well, you know, Bill, Brian, um, you know, I want to play some good golf here. I have no idea what I need to do. You know, you want to go there and you want to have some information. Yeah, you want to have some good information. And there's no excuse for any of you that listening out there tonight. Um, If you do exactly what what these guys are telling you to do, I guarantee you will become a better player. Um, I'm all for, you know, getting out there and, and, and getting some nice equipment. But I would rather you take time to you know, focus on the things that you need to improve on, take a look at some of the things that you've done well on, and analyze that stuff and, and get together with your professional and say, look, here are some points that I've been writing down throughout the season. Let's have a discussion about that. Then going out and spending three or $400 on a new driver, thinking that's going to be uh, the next greatest thing to cure the problems that you have out in the golf course, because it's not going to happen. Uh, and I think the, the guys would agree with me on that. The equipment manufacturers uh, oh, may not. percent sure. Absolutely. You can create your own mindset. There's no doubt about it. You can create your yep. own mindset. And, you know, getting with a coach where you take your, your vulnerabilities and start to mask those or disguise them or get them to go away, but expounding upon the things that you do very well, I think that's one of the things we forget about. We're always trying to get rid of the things we do poorly as opposed to making the things we do really well stronger. Correct. Right. Yeah, we focus on the wrong hey, Ted, yeah, we focus on add, the wrong thing. Yeah, go ahead. Brian. Ted, if I could ask add one thing to what you just said, you 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 use the word prepare about five times in there and I think the key word is are you prepared to play golf and what um coaches know and what what students need to understand is co- a, a good coach will prepare that player to play his best and and getting back to tour players, they are so prepared to play in their tournaments, meaning they, they know the, the, the places to hit them on the greens. They know the landing zones. They know where not to hit it. They, 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 their bodies are prepared. Their minds are prepared. They've prepared themselves to play these rounds of golf, and, and they've put so much preparation into it. And, and this is what I think the amateur golfers – need to do more of that most of them aren't prepared to play that round of golf and it just snowballs after the first three or four holes if if it if, they, if they're not hitting it well and the score <clears> balloons they're just done for the rest of the round and were they really prepared to play that round and you know and sometimes the the, the amateurs are thinking it must be my swing or how i'm hitting it well maybe it isn't maybe you're like like, like um bill said the decision-making out there might not be right, and, and that can cause the bad shot. So um, the more we can prepare our players, the, the better they're going to perform. I'm a true believer in that. Yeah. Be prepared. Well, exactly. And if you think about this from an employment standpoint, and even though I know that some of the listeners out there may be retired and, and aren't in a, 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 you know gainfully employed right now, um, but if you think about that, when you had a presentation or something or a project at work, you had to prepare for it. You didn't just go and do sure. it. I mean, um, and if you did, it usually wasn't very successful, and you probably got, you know, reprimanded at work. So it's the same thing applies in the golf course. You know, it's not just a matter of hitting shots and, and warming up. That's a, one component. It's preparing yourself mentally and physically by exercising and keeping yourself healthy, getting proper rest, and and some other things that we talked about uh, earlier on. Uh, so that when you get out to the golf course, you're ready 
to attack that golf course and obviously have some fun in the process. So, um, guys, great discussion tonight. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was a great way to start the season off. Um, really excited to uh, continue the conversation uh, throughout the season on Coach's Corner. And I want to thank both of you, uh, Brian Dobby and Bill Abrams, for uh, for starting off uh, the 2019 season with a great discussion. Um, very quickly, both of you, I'll go Bill this time first, and then Brian, uh, let the folks know if they want to reach out. Yeah, I'm, uh, you can get me at BillAbramsGolf.com. That'll have my phone <laughs> number, email, and everything there. It's just B-I-L-L-A-B-R-A-M-S-G-O-L-F.com. Um, I'm available at uh, Pembroke Pine in Pembroke Pines, Florida, uh, through the middle of April at Grand Palms Resort, and then in Chicago area at Balmoral Woods through the summer months. Perfect. Uh, Brian? Um, for the listeners out there, you can reach me at PGA at yahoo.com, or if you're in New Jersey, come to the beautiful Montclair Golf Club. Uh, starting April 1st through November, I'll be up there teaching, and hopefully we get a nice, beautiful spring and some warm warm weather to get it going but uh looking forward to it and ted thanks for um having me on the show always appreciate it and bill have a great great season it was great uh being a guest with you yeah absolutely brian and ted we can't thank you enough for all you're doing and all your efforts to grow the game of golf and uh you know give people definition to what really needs to happen in the game well i appreciate it guys and I thank you as as always for for giving your of your time and support throughout the uh, year. It's hard to believe, but uh, this is the seventh season for Golf Talk Live. So I'm very very excited. It's going to be a great year. Got a lot of great things planned throughout the season and a lot of great guests. Um, and uh, I'm glad that you guys have come back again this season uh, to be a part of the Coach's Corner. Um, so guys, have a great uh, a great week, and I will see you next time here on the Coach's Corner panel. Great. Thank Thanks, you guys, Dad. Dad. Have a we'll good talk night. to you soon. Thanks, Brian. Be good. Have a great okay, season. Okay, Good night. Take care. All right. That was the guys, uh, Brian Dobby and Bill Abrams, uh, to start off the Coach's Corner panel for uh, 2019. Uh, and uh, I want to thank, again, obviously, GolfSwing.com for sponsoring uh, that segment of the show. And uh, as promised, I'm going to let you listen to a little clip that uh, I have uh, of GolfSwing.com uh, to listen a little bit more how you can uh, enjoy some of the great uh, online videos uh, in their online video academy. So take a listen. Are you finally ready to improve your golf game? Golfswing.com is changing the way golfers learn online. With the largest collection of golf training programs and drills on the planet, Golfswing.com can help you improve every part of your game. Whether you want to gain more distance, hit it closer, or just sink more putts, GolfSwing.com staff of world-class coaches can help you gain the results you need. Watch unlimited videos on any device from anywhere in the world and start playing better, scoring lower, having more fun, and saving money. Get your fix on demand at GolfSwing.com. All right. As I said, that is uh, the sponsor of the Coach's Corner panel, GolfSwing.com. A great uh, bunch of guys there and uh, some really top um, golf professionals as part of their uh, online video academy. So go to uh, after the show, go to golfswing.com and check it out. It's very, very uh, affordable. Uh, you can sign up for a, a monthly uh, program, a subscription there, if you will, on golfswing.com and get access to literally thousands of great online video tips and, and uh, uh, lots of good information uh, available there. So go to golfswing.com. Um, just a quick reminder, 
beginning next week on my other program, the Women of Golf Show, uh, which, of course, my good friend, uh, LPGA professional Cindy Miller and I uh, co-host together every Tuesday morning here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Um, we will be featuring the winner of the Sky Golf Championship, which is the first uh, inaugural, if you will, uh, tournament for Sky Golf, but also uh, the first tournament on the Symmetra Tour for the season. So uh, we had a great uh, young lady this uh, past Tuesday, August Kim, who helped us sort of kick off the 2019 season. So we're very, very excited about that uh, coming up on, on our Tuesday morning broadcast on the Women of Golf show here on blogtalkradio.com network. So uh, make sure you join uh, me. Cindy will actually be mid-flight uh, this Tuesday, so I'll be uh, sort of holding the fort, if you will, on the Women of Golf uh, for this coming Tuesday. But I will be uh, hosting the... Uh, winner of this weekend's um, uh, Sky Golf Championship, which is the first tournament of the Symmetra Tour. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, my good friend is going to be joining me here in just a second, and I'm going to tell you just a little bit about him. We've actually known each other now for a, a number of years. Uh, I met him shortly after. Uh, actually, I interviewed his uh, his father, uh, the legendary Billy Casper, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but. Uh, and uh, his uh, son, Byron Casper, who is also a professional golfer and a member of the International PGA, uh, as well as the co-founder of the Billy Casper Golf Schools, uh, he and I uh, became acquainted and have uh, uh, enjoyed a, a friendship, if you will, for several years now. And uh, I'm very, very excited and, and uh, proud to have him back on the show. I love having him come on every season to see what's new and, and talk a little bit about golf and talk a little bit about his dad as well, because I know he enjoys that, uh, uh, reminiscing, if you will, some of uh, uh, Billy's uh, glory days, if you will. Um, so please help me welcome my very special guest this evening, Byron Casper. Good evening, Byron. Good evening, Ted. How are you? Doing well. Um, let me just first say, and I, I hate to throw you under the bus, but I know you were you were a little <laughs> under the weather earlier. I hope you're feeling I hope you're feeling a little bit br- Byron's nursing a little bit of a cold. He's been hopping around uh, the country, uh, doing some great things, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. And uh, as most of you know, if you travel at all through the airlines or on the road for whatever reason, whether you're driving, that sure as guns you're going to pick something up. So when you come in contact with a lot of people over time, so um, Byron, I'm glad that uh, you're feeling well enough to do the show tonight, and I appreciate you coming on. You know what? Thank you uh, very much. I, you know, it's, it really is nothing. I've, I've got a secret remedy that uh, that I know a lot of <laughs> a lot of people use when it comes to uh, keeping my immune right. system up, especially when it comes to traveling. Like you said, it uh, yeah. it's always fun to travel, but when you do it uh, to the point of where you're on a plane every other week uh, at least, um, yeah, you have to be a little careful with the germs that are out there. So there you go. There's your health health advice for the day. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but we still want we still want you to go and, and visit your uh, your health practitioner, if you will, or your 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 physician and and uh, your your doctor. If you are feeling a little under weather, don't take our advice for it because we don't want any anything uh, coming back on us. So, but uh, that that is some good advice, though, Byron. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about. It. I got some things that I do want to talk to you about specifically um, a little bit later, but. Uh, I always like to catch up with you because it's always in. We hadn't talked for a little while. Um, I've been busy. You've been busy, you know, hopping around here and there. And I always like to catch up with you because you've always got something interesting uh, in, in the fire, if you will. So 
Um, give us a, an update, if you will. Talk about some of the things that you've been working on, top of some of the things that you maybe started a little while back and, and where they're at now, um, and, and just sort of give us an update. Yeah, of course. Thanks for that. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to give you an update and, uh, and let you know how things are going. I um, We still have our golf school, Billy Casper Golf School, still uh, going strong. And that's something that, as you know, Chad, and we've spoken about before in, in previous uh, broadcasts, um, that's very important to my heart uh, just because Dad and I started it. We had a lot of uh, a lot of ideas that we wanted to make golf a little bit more accessible, get people good quality lessons, uh, using a, a really fine mixture of uh, technology uh, as well as feel. Um, and you and I have certainly spoken enough about the my teaching philosophy that I really try right. to believe that in today's world, technology is really an asset to um, to, to just anything we're doing, um, and that includes golf. And um, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's interesting when you combine technology. But I also believe, uh, also being you know my father's son and having grown up around the Senior Tour and before that the PGA Tour in the 70s, um, feel is a very important part of the game. And so combining those was very important to Dad and I. Uh, so the golf school is going going strong, and we're focusing more attention on that. We're also um, still heavily involved, uh, or I'm still heavily involved with Links to Freedom, which is the mm-hmm. foundation that helps uh, our wounded soldiers uh, uh, through golf. We use it as a, a very um, easy uh, part of their recovery process and use it for camaraderie as well as just getting them out of the house and um, and communicating and having some fun while they're recovering from these injuries that they've sustained and, you know, protecting our country. So I, I, something, again, that I think would, would have been very important to my father that I'm heavily involved mm-hmm. in. And then my funnest project is, uh, is this, this latest project, and um, I'm hoping that Preston calls in so he can talk a little bit about this, but Preston's the owner of a company called Spectre Golf. And Spectre Golf is um, under contract with a lot of different uh, groups, um, primarily Part Pro out of Canada, and they are uh, just a state-of-the-art uh, golf simulator company. They sell simulators from all of the big big names out there, you know, Foresight, TrackMan, etc. And mm-hmm. Spectre Golf installs them. And so about six months ago, uh, Preston uh, from Spectre Golf and I decided to join forces and use my knowledge as a golf professional, an international PGA member, and somebody who's used technology a lot to install golf simulator systems in country clubs and people's homes and then give them some personal one-on-one training uh, for themselves and for their family. And not only teaching them how to use the units, but also uh, having some fun with them and giving them some lessons. And that has, interestingly enough, um, segued into a wonderful relationship with people all over the country um, and mm-hmm. some really wonderful students uh, and some people that I'm able to help through one-on-one uh, when I'm in their home and also through video. And uh, and so it's been kind of an interesting journey um and i'm very very blessed to be so heavily involved in the golf business and uh, and and to be a professional golfer uh is still my dream and uh, and so it's nice to be able to combine different interests 
and really help people enjoy this game um, from their home onward, onwards. You know, the time saving alone, just thinking about it, um, from saving going to the driving range when you have a facility mm-hmm. at your home is huge. And um, and I know for me, when I was playing professionally a few years ago, when I could practice at home and be around my kids, um, that just really made everything perfect. And so, you know, from that sense, it's nice to give back a little bit as well, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because you and I talked a little bit earlier uh, this afternoon, obviously before we were coming on live, just to, to sort of catch up and whatnot. And that was something that you had, had mentioned about why you were really, you know, excited about this this venture was the fact that you're giving folks the ability to be able to, you know, still do something that they enjoy and work on their game, but within the confines of their own home. Um, because as you know, Byron, uh, there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, might have uh, just one job, but some might even have two jobs. Uh, and time is, you know, really stringent. Um, it's very oh, difficult very to, so. you know, do a, a, a balancing act. And, you know, they're they're lucky to squeeze out a few hours, you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks to play golf. Uh, but then they don't have time to really, you know, go to the driving range. And, you know, that might be an hour. Uh, it might be a 20-minute drive there and back or, or there and then another 20 minutes back. And then they're, you know, spending another 30. So they don't have that time. The one nice thing about uh, or one of the many nice things about what you're proposing here is the fact that they can now take that practice session um, at home and still, um, you know, feel like they're being involved with the family as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it sounds really, really basic and simple, but, you know, in today's world, time is very important. And I always use the example, Ted, that the best golf that I've played in the last five years um, was about three and a half years ago. And I had a small little practice facility in, in my backyard. And it was coming home from work rather than having to go back to the driving range and spend all that time away from my kids. I could, I literally could come home, throw dinner in the oven or start something, you know, on the stove and grab a wedge and go out and hit 20, 30 balls and then come in and have dinner, help with homework, get the kids ready for bed and then go back out and, and hit another hundred balls. And, you know, it, it really is the way to get better is to understand what's happening when that ball comes off the face of the club. And the only way that's going to happen is by hitting so many shots that you start to understand that both from a field perspective as well as a mechanic perspective. And so right. and time-saving is huge. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And that's why, you know, when we talked about it earlier, I really like the idea. I want to just interrupt for just a second because I see that uh, we've got somebody on the line that's probably Preston. So let's bring Preston into the conversation, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the venture between uh, both of you, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right, good evening, and yeah, welcome hey, to Golf Talk Live. How are you doing, Preston? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I'll let you, uh, Byron. I'll let you do a, a little more formal uh, uh, introduction, if you wouldn't mind, and uh, and then we'll we'll start up the conversation again. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Preston Hicks is uh, really a, a wonderful uh, wonderful guy. I'm not just saying that because uh, we're we're partners, and um, 
in in a very real sense, he's my boss uh, in some perspectives. Uh, but he's also taught me a lot when it comes to the installation uh, of golf simulators. And even though I had some experience with that in the past, uh, owning a few simulators, um, Preston has really opened up my mind and and thought process when it comes to both the mechanics of of installing the systems um, as well as the creativity from a lot of unique <laughs> installation uh, jobs, um, but also the importance of, of what we do. Um, and so in saying that, Preston Hicks, uh, the uh, owner and, and president of Spectra Golf, um, I thought that it'd be fun to have you on, Preston, just to, to talk a little bit from your perspective and why you started this company uh, eight years ago in the first place. Well, yeah, and you know, definitely like you mentioned, uh, the, the golf industry is such a unique business, and uh, but it is seasonal. <laughs> so uh, people want to be able to play in the off season. They want to be able to practice and, and keep up those techniques when there's a foot of snow outside. <laughs> and so um, in Arizona, we just experienced the largest snowstorm I think I've ever been in in my life. Uh, where I live here in Kingman, we had well over a foot on the ground and as you know wow you can't do much uh we got snowed in every every road was closed i had a flight to go out to uh, see some friends and family and you know plans change so i get to swing away at my simulator for a while <laughs> but um <laughs> other than that i mean me and Corey, who Corey is the owner of, of part of pro and and i work very closely with part of pro to um do the golf simulator consultations and really find out what the customer needs as far as uh, what's going to fit in their room, um, what they're looking for in the simulator. And then I, Byron, would come in and and set everything up and provide that hands-on service. And having Byron aboard, you know, we we opened up a whole new market because being in the century, I don't know of anybody else that's doing what we're doing as far as offering the right. you know the lessons and things like that. So very unique opportunity we have and um we're definitely looking to help more people out. Um help them just you know keep using the simulator. You know, it's not something you want to spend ten to twenty thousand on and you know use it a few times and lose interest. So this will definitely help uh keep that interest going, help people improve their game, especially in the off season so they can go play real golf. Right. Let me ask you, Preston, just um, uh, and then Byron, I'll get you to to add to it as well. Um, Just for the benefit of those that are tuning in uh, this evening to the broadcast that maybe are not familiar with some of the features um, that a simulator offers. Explain a little bit. I mean, obviously, they they understand the general concept of a a golf simulator, um, but just maybe explain some of the features and generally what they can do. It's not just a matter of hitting uh, a golf ball, but there's some uh, features of it and how generally how it works. Sure. Um, there's there's several different types of simulators out there. Um, you have the club head reading simulators, which are generally on the the lower cost spectrum. Um, you know, I'm talking like OptiShot and P3 Pro, which recently went out of business, and then you get up to Pro T and things like that. So these club analyzers are going to um, analyze your your swing. You can back on the face angle, the swing path, the swing speed, impact location on the club face, and you know these elements will help you improve, you know, hitting the ball straighter and further. Um, Then you have the other simulators that are actually reading the ball directly, and those tend to be more accurate 
uh, but they're going to be limited on the club data that you're going to get unless you add in a separate club reader. <laughs> so um, it can get it can get pretty complicated and pretty daunting. But uh, you know the ball information you're getting on those simulators is backspin, side spin, ball speed, uh, vertical launch, horizontal launch, um, and, and you can really use that data if you know what your club's doing to help improve you know overall distances, carry, and and accuracy. And uh, then there's some simulators that will uh, integrate all this information with a video of you. So you have a down-the-line video so you can get your, your side view. And then a frontal view camera that's based onto you. And you can save that information, play it back, and uh, send it to your, to your coach and uh, have it on a database so you can easily look back at it. Lots of neat features coming out. Uh, Foresight Sports, TrackMan, those are the, the two that come to mind that have integrated this technology in with their simulation software. And then on top of all that, you know, just the game improvement stuff, you have the actual course play. And just about every right. simulator out there, and this is just a simple analyzer, is going to allow you to connect to some software and play real courses. Uh, there's some software out there that we like to use a lot that there's almost unlimited courses a library of over 150,000 of them. And there's even wow. the features that allow you to create your own course. And so it's, it's really becoming uh, a, a huge industry that uh, anybody can go out there, make their own course, and have thousands of people around the world playing it. Very cool. That yeah, very, very cool, cool, Preston. Thank you. Yeah, but Byron, I want you as as a a a coach and and teach professional. I want you to sort of bring this full circle a little bit. Um, you know, Preston sort of laid out the the groundwork, if you will, as to what the simulator can do. But as a coach, teaching professional, how valuable is something like this for you as a teacher in helping your students? Well, you know, I think that that again, I I fall back to what I said before about technology being a, an important part of the. Uh, ingredients to get better, and I think feel is the other other important part. Feel comes from uh, hitting a lot of different types of shots over and over again, so that it becomes uh, you know repetitious or uh, or repetition. Mm -hmm. And 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 I and again I feel that's important. But the technology side of things is incredible from a the standpoint of a professional or teaching professional. I use technology in every single lesson that I teach, Ted. And I have used different systems um, without mentioning them all here. Um, I will mention Foresight because that's who we use at our golf schools, at the Billy Casper Golf School. And it's also a company who I do a lot of in installations for. But, um, but we also work with, with lots of other companies. And the technology that I'm currently using at my uh, golf school in Utah is, uh, is Ernest Sports technology. And so... Um, as Preston said, there's a lot of different types of technology out there. Um, really what I'm looking for is, and I want to be able to get the student to understand when they're using a simulator, is ball flight, ball spin, distance, both carry as well as rollout. And the reason those are obviously important, Ted, you being a golfer, you understand, and, and mm -hmm. we've got a lot of listeners that are golfers. But to give you a very basic example and something that happened uh, about five days ago, completed a system and I was working with uh, this gentleman and 
he was hitting some five and six irons and getting an incredible amount of spin of 8,000 plus RPMs of backspin. And as you know, with the five iron, that's, um, that's, that's pretty massive. And, um, and then he got his driver out and he was getting a ton of back backspin with his driver as well. And I was able to, in a very quick 45 minute session, instruct him on the importance of ball spin and the various clubs you have in your back, meaning that with a driver, we want to take as much of that backspin off the ball as we can. Right. But if you're hitting a pitching wedge or a 56 degree or a 52 degree or a 60 degree, you're going to have a lot of spin with those, those clubs and getting the ball to react properly off the, the, the club head. And so technology allows you to do that and show the, the client or the student right there and then why they're doing what they're doing. Now, when you add video to that and the ability to slow it down and to draw lines and to show people where their head is at impact or how much their head's moving or whether their hips are moving too far back or where their weight shift is at, at impact. You know, there's so many variables that video and slowing down video has helped with that when you combine video plus ball flight data, you literally have all of the ingredients to cut the time it takes somebody to get better in half, from my opinion. Yeah, and 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 that's exactly right. You know, we've talked about technology and that in the past uh, on this program, uh, you and I, and of course I've talked with others about it as well. And and like anything, there's there's a a, a, a proper use of it. I mean, obviously, sometimes technology, if it's not used correctly, um, can actually uh, not work to the student's benefit if it's not, you know, if you're getting too technical. And that's, Preston, something I want to ask you about, you know, being more familiar with sort of the the working components of of these simulators is obviously the student wants to get that information, um, you know, at their fingertips. And that's obviously the purpose of having it because it is valuable. And then they want to work with um, a, a coach or a teaching professional like like Byron, um, but at the same time, they want to be able to have fun. And you talked about a moment ago how you know the student can then use this technology and actually play a round of golf uh, at you know literally tens of thousands of, of golf courses without you know leaving the comfort of their own home. Talk a little bit about that. Some of the the fun part of having these simulators. Sure. Um, well, not only are some of them portable, you could take it out on the range and, you know, get your results there. Um, but, you know, the, the fun part is improving your game. <laughs> so that's the whole right. goal ultimately. But uh, there are, you know, some software that will allow other games and things to be played like that um, or playing rounds with friends. So let's say you have a friend that you know, lives on the East Coast or on the West Coast, vice versa. You want to play a round of golf, and you can get online and, and actually play a live round of golf. And so that's a neat feature. Um, Isn't you know, that incredible? Secondly, I mean, wow. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, you play with someone around the world, you know. So the, the possibilities are really endless. And there's a lot of people that play on, you know, Discord and things like that. They have their own little groups and... Um, you know, they're not little, I should say, but <laughs> so they've developed their own groups. Um, it's become a real social thing online. 
and uh, Canada is where where our parent company is based out of. And you know, being up in the tundra, you know, they they have a very short right. golf season, and so the right. indoor golf is huge. And so they're uh, you know, again, it's a big social network of guys that that love the game, uh, want to fine tune it when they can't actually go outside and play. And um, you know, you mentioned something about you know, all the all the data you're getting. Um, in, in my mind, the more data, you know, the better, because you're getting all aspects of the shot. But um, what's neat about some of these software and simulators is you can pick and choose what data you see. Um, you can put, you know, the club data on for longer than ball data, vice versa. And so being able to really hone down what you're looking to improve in is a neat feature as well. And again, I think it all really boils down to wanting to improve your game and taking those results that you're learning in the comfort of your own home and translating them onto the course. Do you think, um, and Byron, I want to ask you this, you know, because obviously we've both been in the golf industry for a while and we're seeing a lot of changes um, in, in the industry and how people approach the game. Do you see as this technology continues to develop and, and even get more advanced, do you see a new genre in the golf industry opening up? I mean, it, it's already there, but do you see it, you know, as more and more people gravitate to this type of, of um, you know, simulated golf, if you will, uh, do you see particularly the younger generation that maybe don't have access to a, a club membership or, um, don't have the time, let's say, to you know go to the golf course for you know for four to five hours, depending on where they're playing. Um, but jumping on the simulator, and as you got, both have mentioned, you know, playing with their buddy that that lives, uh, you know, on the other side of of the country, or even you know some friends that mm-hmm. they've met uh, around the world online. Do you see this really opening up a new genre for some of the younger generation? You know what I see it. I don't know if I would say a new genre as much as I see it, it is a uh, wonderful gateway to mm-hmm. the golf industry and to getting out on the golf course. You know, I'm being somebody who's 50 years old. Um, I, I very right. much grew up playing golf in the seventies and the eighties the where um, you were dropped off at a golf course and, you know, you spent four or five hours there at, at least, um, right. you know, with enough, enough change in your pocket for a hot dog and a Coke. And, um, and you just, you know, you just hit balls and and went out and snuck out and played nine holes or got to play as part of the junior program. And, you know, the world we live in now doesn't really have a whole lot of that. And, uh, and Mm -hmm. so one of the things that that I think is, and, and the reason I say gateway uh, is because of what I've done with, uh, with my own uh, granddaughter and um, introducing her to golf through a simulator has made it very easy for me to, to include her in what Papa does um, and also get her interest in golf. And, you know, interestingly enough, she went out and won the under seven uh, group for the pitch, pitch putt and, and uh, pitch chip and putt uh, program for the uh, national lions club. And, um, hmm. And it was all because she had already started hitting shots, and, and she had that. Right. You know, she did that at four at four years old. Um, right. And it was because she was comfortable. 
And so as we had spoken earlier, Ted, I think that it's important to realize that there's a lot of aspects to golf simulation. One is, of course, the getting better part of it. Another is the fun part of it because of the amount of golf courses and the realism that you have. Um, I was using a sim two days ago that had birds chirping and the water flowing and showing you everything you could imagine um, when you were playing Pebble Beach on this simulated course. And uh, and it was amazing. Um, And so the fun aspects there. But think about being able to introduce your kids, your grandkids, to the game of golf and the comfort of your own home where you're dictating the, the fun, the level of fun, the level of noise, all of the things that, you know, you really struggle to control sometimes with kids. And you're able to have mm-hmm. that fun and really make it an informal fun experience for the kids or whoever you're introducing the game of golf to as a, as a pro and as a teacher, I think that makes this a wonderful gateway to getting people out on the golf courses because the chances of people wanting to go and play golf and have never even thought about playing golf before after they've enjoyed hitting balls on a simulator, I think those, those odds go, go through the roof. And I think people will get out on the golf course if they feel like they can hit a golf ball first. Right. Yeah, and there's a comfort level, too. And, and Preston, I think you would agree, you know, as well, um, from your own experience using the simulator, that, you know, it, it's very daunting if you're not somebody that was, you know, brought up in the golf industry or, uh, you know, didn't get a, a, the opportunity to maybe play golf at, at an earlier age, to suddenly thrust yourself out in the golf course or even out in the driving range in public when you've never actually swung a club before. So, you know, having access to a simulator gives you that ability, and, and again, with, with help from somebody like Byron, um, to be able to kind of work in a private setting um, without any other eyes sort of watching around, um, to get comfortable with the process before you actually get out there and, and, and step out, um, you know, out on the golf course. And, and I'm sure you had somewhat of an experience like that earlier on as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's definitely a, a good icebreaker to the uh, the golf industry and, and wanting to actually play. Because you're right, you know, not everybody has that comfort level, and you know, golf in, in itself can be intimidating. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a tiny little ball. Sure. Like you're trying right. to get way down the range and do a smaller hole. So um, anyway, it, you know, it, it helps people to get comfortable. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is get out there and whiff it, right? And so um, making good right. contact um, and, and just being able to, to hit the ball straight. doesn't matter if it goes that far as long as it's straight. <laughs> and so, yeah, it'll definitely give you that confidence for sure. Um, so so that does, you know, obviously add to the, the fun and enjoyment of having a simulator. And like Byron yeah. said, you know, you're getting the whole family involved. Now, um, I have a son. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Ted. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, please finish your thought. No, oh, I, I have a son. I have a son. He's nine years old, and um, they're my my kids are pretty tall and fine, you know, and they have been for a long time. But he was just getting up there and uh, you know just having a great time, you know, and it helped me to connect with them because I'm I'm busy. I travel a lot, and um, I don't have a lot of time with my family, so it's something that he enjoys, 
and we can spend time together doing it, and I can help him work on, on hitting the ball better, and, and he can show me a little thing or two as well. So it's great. Get the family together for sure. Yeah, and and that's a definitely something that I think uh, we could all you know benefit from these days. You know, with with um, you know with involved in other things. This is something that you know is um, you know very advanced and and you know has a lot of technology wrapped up into it that kids can get excited about. Um, but at the same time, they can they can also do something that the family can can get involved with. And I think that's a great idea. Um, well, Preston, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you jumping on the call with us. I've got a little bit more to talk about with Byron before we wrap up the evening. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. And, and if you want to just take a quick moment, if there's, uh, you know, if you have a website or something that uh, you would like people to uh, get directed to after the show, that they can go and maybe learn a little bit more about uh, uh, the simulators and that, um, by all means, uh, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the time. And um, our website uh, for the installation company is www.spectregolf.com. And the parent company, again, is par2pro.com. Um, there's a lot of forums out there, uh, the golf simulator forum.com, um, as well as many Facebook groups. People can go on there and see our name sponsored everywhere. Um, we're pretty big in the industry, and we like to help people out. So, uh, definitely give us a call. Well, I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll read out the website and that again uh, as we wrap up the the broadcast, so that the folks can uh, can go and visit after the show and take a look. But uh, Preston, I appreciate you coming Thanks, on, Preston. and, and uh, I look forward to having you come back. Yeah, not a problem. Have, look forward to having you come back and and on a future show and maybe uh, get into a little bit more. But uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you very much, Seth. Good night. Thanks, Preston. All right. Good night. Um, very interesting, um, you know, what he had to say uh, about the technology itself. And, and you know, he, he's, you know, obviously put it in practice for himself and his family. You know, he's got a, a young son there that yeah. he can, you know, encourage to play and, and without having to, you know, drive down the, the road to the local golf course. Um, they can do it within the confines of their own home and, and uh, you know, he can invite some friends over if he wants type of thing and and uh, and yeah. kind of make a, a fun event out of it. So it's very, very interesting. Um, talk a little bit about a great, the a great installation part. A great yeah. way to introduce the game. You know, I mean, it really is a great way to introduce the game to, to somebody, whether they're young or old, that, you know, haven't ever really given golf much thought. And, um, and as we hope to grow the game of golf, um, it, it, I think it's important that we have the opportunity to open up, you know, I hate to use the word markets, but open up new groups of people that maybe hadn't thought much about golf, but maybe love technology. And, um, and yeah. you know, this is a, a possible way to do that. Um, so as far as the installation goes, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been an interesting um, process. You know, the last time I did any uh, construction work or building work was in college. Um, and right. as you all know how old I am, I don't have to tell you how long ago that was. So, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't think at 50, uh, doing something like that would be even in my, um, uh, wheelhouse, but you know, it's been a really interesting. I, I love the creativity. Um, I recently had to do a, a simulator back East and, um, 
the ceiling was uh, alcoved in, in, in some interesting shapes. And so I ended up having to frame the entire ceiling and then doing a simulator from there um, and building the system around that and stretching the screen out and then mounting the projector. And, you know, by the time I was done with it, it really felt um, like I had had the opportunity to build with my hands so that I'd have had the opportunity to be creative. Um, and then I was able to spend two and a half hours with um, that particular client and work on his golf swing and show him how his system would, you know, worked. Um, and it was just mm-hmm. such a wonderful end of, uh, a, you know, two days, two and a half days. And I really think that that's one of the keys to what I've started doing, um, both with the installation and then with the golf lessons, is, you know, I think that video golf um, lessons is is a natural um, segue for golf professionals because the world is getting smaller and I can sit on the phone with you or I can FaceTime with you or Skype with you or, or video message with you and help you with anything. Um, you know, I did that with yeah. my daughter with some, some of her nursing homework two nights ago um, where mm-hmm. I was, was out of town. So we FaceTimed and I helped her with some chemistry. So, you know, we live in a world that makes that really easy to do. But I think the real kicker that sets it apart is that I have the luxury of spending two, sometimes three days with the individual before we start the video lessons. And so that connection and that rapport is built in person and then is followed up with keeping on top of their game through video. And I think that that's really one of the key uh, ingredients that's made this work so well. Um, and as far as the fun factor, I mean, come on, it's uh, at being a golf professional yeah. <laughs> that gets to install golf simulators and then teach golf on them. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, I think that think you could say there's worse, uh, worse jobs out there. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, a, <laughs> that's a, a pretty sweet deal. Let me ask you, and, and I mean, I know you can't necessarily give cause every situation is different in that, but you know, obviously people that might be listening to the program think, well, you know, I, I can't afford a golf simulator. But you were telling me earlier that actually um, there's ways that, that you guys have put together that are, are very affordable. Um, you know, obviously golf simulators, depending on, on you know, uh, you can obviously be very elaborate. And then there's other systems that maybe aren't quite as much. But is there kind of a, a general range just so people can get an idea of, of what they'd be looking at? And, and what are some of the options as far as, um, you know, if they purchase it, can they finance it? That sort of thing. Uh, for for a little bit bigger system. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it's interesting because I have a, a a wealth of knowledge in this particular area. Because long before I partnered up with uh, Preston and Spectra Golf, I had already unofficially um, helped probably a dozen or more of my students uh, from the golf schools set up practice facilities in their homes. And these were, you know, very basic systems, you know, nets and some hitting mats and enough space and, you know, things like that. But, um, and so the spectrum really is whatever you can dream of. Um, I, mm-hmm. I did a system at the end of last year um, in a, uh, in somebody's home that was a racquetball court. And mm-hmm. they decided that they were getting rid of the racquetball court and we built a massive system. Um, in there. Um, and that was priced, you know, well over $40,000 for that particular system. Sure. Um, and then 
I have a student um, who uh, is also has become a friend who's an ex-professional baseball player. Um, and I have to laugh because he's already retired from baseball and he's all of 35 years old. Um, wow. and, um, and, you know, and him and I have become good friends and I work with him and his wife. And just over the last 10 days, I have been helping him put together a, uh, a practice facility in his basement where he is, he's, he's going to, basically he's going to do, he, he's putting in the most basic uh, form of golf simulator that will read ball data and, um, and club speed data and also will allow him to play golf with his wife and, uh, and play a few golf courses. And that's done on the lower end of the scale. I think that simulator um, that he was able to uh, put together with my help, um, all told, I think he, he probably spent about $2,000, $2,500 on it. Um, wow. And so, you know, you know, that's a big margin, you know, when you're talking about over 50 to all the way down to just a couple thousand. Um, I do know right. that uh, Pres- Preston's company has um, the ability to, uh, and, and, and his partner Corey's company has the ability to do just about anything. Financing um, is something that they can do for different um, systems uh, that are uh, really in-depth built out systems. I know that that I think they like to think that, that there's no no simulator too big or too small that they can't um somehow get into your home if you want one. And um and I've done right. some amazing some amazing jobs. I've put simulator said, believe it or not, in as small of rooms as a twelve by twelve foot room where I kid you not, we took the French doors off leading to the hallway just so that you could take a take a golf swing, but right. it uh, but it worked, and that was all the space that they had, and um, and so it, it we got it to work, and then like I said, I've done them in, um, you know, with twenty five foot screens, um, and um, and when you see them, um, in full color, and the projector has the golf course up or the driving range up, and all of the data is coming through from whichever system they have, you know, it's exciting. It's hard not to get excited when you're hitting a ball on a simulated golf course and you're seeing not only all of the technical data, but you're also seeing it fly through the air, land on the fairway, or land on the green, and stop close to the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fun. And, you know, my dad was the biggest anti-technical guy on the, on the planet. I think you and I have laughed about this before, Ted. Right. right. He, he prided himself on not having a cell phone. And, you know, if you wanted to get a hold of my dad, you called my mom's cell phone or you went to the San Diego Country Club into the uh, bar and grill and could probably find him in one of those two locations and um, uh, playing with cards with his friends. Um, he, he did not have a laptop. He did not have a cell phone. He never wanted any of that. And yet I got him mm-hmm. to not only play golf on, on a simulator a few times, but also to include it in our golf academy. Right. And um, and that, I think, right there shows you the importance of that level of technology, that even an old old school guy like Billy Casper yeah, had, to, had, had to accept the fact that it, it has, its, has its place, you know? Well, I think he, yeah, I think he recognized, obviously, you know, your father was uh, of a different generation than you and I, and 
you know, that technology really, you know, wasn't as advanced as, as it's becoming now. And, uh, you know, it's hard to visualize and, and understand, um, you know, when, when somebody presents something like that to you. But obviously, you know, as he was exposed to it, he recognized the value and the potential value uh, that it would have down the road. So obviously, that's, I'm sure, why he agreed to it. Um, you know, I think it's it's one of these things that, you know, and I'm very excited for it. I think it's a great, uh, uh, you know, business model for you to have. Um, because you, you've really got the best of both worlds. You're able to really get in touch with your customers in a different way and, and help them install something that they can be excited about. But at the same time, you can help them um, in different ways than maybe you traditionally have done uh, learn this great game. And uh, I think you and yeah, Preston and, well, exactly. and the, other, the, others, yeah, the others involved uh, I think have, have got a, a sort of a winning combination, if you will. And And I mean, there's you know, as as it um, you know, as it gets more and more popular, and the fact that you know it reaches a broad spectrum, as you said, you know, you can you can have a very elaborate system if you know somebody that has uh, the financial resources um, to do so. But at the same time, you can still have access to that technology. And, and you know, when you really put it in perspective, uh, Byron, you know, two thousand dollars or even twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, is not a lot when you consider that families go out and spend, you know, three to five hundred dollars on an Xbox or a PlayStation, uh, and then you add the games that are eighty dollars a piece, and you get a few, you know, dozen or so of those. You're you're more than halfway mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, it, it's something that you know, uh, even at an entry, a more entry level for a lot of families. Uh, can do that, and yet it's something that everybody can play. So it's certainly not at a reach. Uh, for everybody, and, and obviously there might be some exceptions, but you know, you guys are obviously willing to to uh, to work with them uh, in helping them uh, uh, to be able to achieve that, and I think that's that's great, and I'm very excited for you to uh, uh, to you know to continue with that, and uh, I look forward to hearing more about it. I um, I think that it's exciting just for golf in general, and I, I appreciate the the time to obviously come on the show, Ted, and. Uh, and to uh, and to talk with you, but you know the one thing I have to say is is I, I'm excited, um, you know, and I think I needed a little something to be excited about. Um, sometimes even teaching golf, you know, um, is sure is fun and enjoy is enjoyable, but having a another you know change, um, and I think that technology is exciting. I think that the world around us and the technology advances that we um, are currently seeing. In just about every every aspect of life, um, you know, it's there to, to to shave time. It's there to save time. Um, relationships, however, are still relationships, and I think that right. uh, by combining, you know, the importance of a relationship and sincerely wanting to help somebody and giving them the tools and the ability to do it and save time at, at the same, you know. Uh, you know, and save save real time while they're doing it. Um, gosh, you know, I, I think it's great. Again, it's not rocket science. I'm certainly not a brain surgeon saving people's lives, but what I am doing is I'm hoping and, and trying to help people to save time and give them some fun options and the ability to get better. And I think those are some some important things in today's world. Yeah, and and you know, as you guys said, both said earlier, you know, you're exposing people. Um, to the game in a different way, 
um, which you know can be exciting and innovative for especially this younger generation who maybe uh, don't have uh, you know parents that belong to a club or uh, maybe have not really been uh, involved in golf in the past, uh, but this is a, a new way that they can get exposed to the game and at the same time, uh, you know, create a little bit uh, a different uh, approach to some of the family unity, if you will. And I think that's uh, a win-win for everybody. Um, so let's let the folks know if they want to reach out, Byron, what's the best way to do it if they want to get in touch with you um, to learn more about that and, and obviously if they want to work with you in general, but, um, and, and again, uh, maybe learn more about uh, Spectre Golf. Yeah, well, you know, as as always, um, anybody can reach out to me uh, via email, um, uh, bcgolfpro at live, L-I-V-E dot com. And I think you've got that on your website. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I, 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 I certainly ask people to please feel free to send me an email with any questions you might have. Um, I, I look forward to answering each and every one and um and, and it's important to me that um that I help people understand this game a little bit better that may be taking away some of the mis- mystery of the game and breaking it down because I like to break the game down in very simple terms and I'm I'm of the belief that I don't have to make you worse before you get better I think that I can right. take some baby steps that are going to get <laughs> you uh and enjoying this game a lot better uh, very fast. Um, as far as the simulators go, VectorGolf.com um, is uh, is the website to go to, and I'll send you some information so you can put it on the website, um, okay. uh, Ted. And and then PartoPro.com. Uh, that's par, and then the the number two pro um, is where there's a lot of different choices and options available uh, as far as what sort of systems you'd like. And um, and that's where Preston um, or his colleagues can break down the cost and talk about your specific needs. And so really, you know, between the, the three of us, um, I think we've got everything uh, covered uh, for any listeners that have any interest at all um, in uh, learning more about this wonderful new technology. Perfect. Well, Byron, as always, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. You're always welcome uh, guest and, and a good friend. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you were feeling well enough to uh, to come on. I know as we we both get a little bit older, our bones ache a little bit more, and <laughs> colds are are coming. And uh, I know at least for my I'm speaking for myself, but um, but I appreciate you coming on as always. And and I will be sure to have you on again before uh, the season's out uh, when it's uh, convenient for you. But I know you're. Uh, traveling here and there, so I know you got a lot on your plate. But uh, we'll we'll connect again, and and I'll have you back on, and uh, maybe get uh, some updates uh, again. But uh, as always, my friend, thank well, you very well, much for coming on. Yeah, well, thank you, I thank you, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I'd be remiss to not to also congratulate you and Cindy and and all the good work that you guys are doing. Um, uh, you know, with uh, with women's golf, and so uh, I um I, I, something I pay attention to. I just want to say that you uh, you're just uh, you're a great guy, Ted, and uh, and I think that the golf world is is very lucky to have your show and your involvement. Well, I appreciate it, Byron, and uh, you know we're we're excited. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, I, I told you earlier on the phone, um, you know we're kicking off, or we actually just kicked off this past Tuesday, um, a, a new season with the uh, Symmetra Tour. We're going to be featuring. Uh, all of the winners this season, again, uh, beginning this next Tuesday, um, we're going to be featuring the first winner of the uh, 
uh, inaugural Sky uh, Golf Championship, uh, kicking off the 2019 Symmetra Tour uh, season. So we're very excited to, to have the young ladies come back on again. And uh, it's fun. It's interesting to, you know, hear, um, you know, some of their input into the game and the excitement that they have, you know, battling it out there every week uh, with their fellow competitors and uh, all for that quest uh, to make it out on the, the big stage with the LPGA uh, ladies. So uh, very interesting. That's, and are always, uh, yeah, Sydney and I are very excited about that uh, again. And, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to our first winner coming next Tuesday. So my friend, uh, get some rest and I hope you feel better and uh, keep up the great work yourself. You're great to, uh, uh, a great testament to the golf industry, and I know that your your father's looking down and and uh, with a lot of pride, as as he can be. Um, you, you're a, a great uh, a great uh, son and, and a great friend and a great man, and I'm glad to call you my friend. Well, thank you, Chad. Um, that really sincerely uh, sincerely that means a lot. And um, and I just have to to end on this note, and that is that you know, uh, my father was a great jokester. And um, and used to always love telling jokes and and um, and and really making people <laughs> feel comfortable around him. And so I'll uh, I'll leave you with one of his favorite jokes and uh, uh, and and that was this. My father always said, "Beware of the chronic golf cheater who got a hole in one on a par three and put zero on the scorecard." <laughs> <laughs> That was good. All right, my friend. I like that. All right, you have a great uh, evening. I look forward to coming on again. All right, appreciate it, Byron. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was my good friend, uh, Byron Casper, professional golfer and member of the International PGA, as well as the co-founder of the Billy Casper Golf Schools. And uh, he's doing some great work now with uh, the guys – uh, Preston and, and, and others at uh, uh, Spectre Golf. So make sure you visit spectregolf.com and, and check out some of the, the great information there about uh, simulators and, and uh, how to get one installed in, in your uh, neck of the woods, if you will. But um, And don't forget to reach out to Byron as well. On that note, I want to take this opportunity to, again, remind you that next Tuesday uh, I will be on the Women of Golf show on the blogtalkradio.com network, which you're listening to now. Uh, my other show, Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, with my good friend, LPJ uh, professional Cindy Miller. Of course, she won't be there next week, unfortunately. She'll be in uh, mid-flight uh, traveling. Uh, but I will be hosting the show on my own, but I will have a great guest uh, coming up from the Symmetra Tour, the winner of this week's uh, Sky Golf Championship. So you want to make sure you tune into that, and that'll be 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the blogtalkradio.com network. Good night, everybody. Thanks again to the Coach's Corner panel. Excited to have them back on board. And uh, I look forward to another great show next week here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast at Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. Or listen on any of the following social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast 
of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.